Hey, it's the 11 Dubcast. Uh, I'm Johnny Ginter. No bow this week, but luckily, thank God, Andy Vance is here to help us out once again. Thank you so much for coming on and, and helping this poor wounded soul uh, who was going to be all alone. But, you know, he came on and saved me, man. I can't, can't leave a man, uh, you know, to fend for himself. This, is, this might be the highlight of my week. You never know. I get to you know- get to pretend to be an award-winning podcaster. <laughs> Well, me too. And I do that every week. But I got to tell you something. 11 Warriors, we help each other out. DJ's in New Orleans doing God knows what. Um, we're, we're helping out with Skull Sessions. We're helping out with Dubcasts. It's the spirit of Christmas that's in all of us at all times. And I appreciate that. So thanks for coming on. We, you know, unfortunately, we're, you know, we didn't really get a lot of your expertise last week. We were talking about wrestling and whatnot. But I do, you know what, before we get into all this other stuff, I want to get your perspective on the totality of Kyle Snyder's career because I feel like that's maybe something we haven't really addressed yet on this podcast. So I, I kind of want to know what you think about that. Where where would you kind of place him all time? Yeah, there was. You know, and I don't great- mean and, and, to interrupt. Interrupt. I don't mean in the pantheon of like Ohio State athletes. I'm, I'm talking specifically about collegiate wrestlers, like you know the, the Gables and so on. I saw a pretty compelling argument. Uh, it might've been on Twitter, uh, you know, which is where all compelling arguments <laughs> originate right. really Right, that Snyder might just be the greatest college wrestler of all time. Now, now you kind of have to, you suspend kind of disbelief for a moment there because you say, well, he's not a four timer, like say Logan Steber or Kale Sanderson. Um, I have a, a professor friend of mine who's at Purdue who constantly huge Dan Gable fans. So mm-hmm. every time I talk about the greatness of Kyle Snyder, he says, well, you know, Dan Gable did this, Dan Gable did that and so on. But when you look at Kyle's career, he is the only college athlete uh, wrestler in history the to walk away from four years of of ncaa wrestling with uh three world championships three or three world level championships we'll say two world titles proper plus an olympic gold medal and three ncaa championships you have others who had say four ncaa championships and maybe a limp, an Olympic medal, or you had um, three NCAA championships and a world title or something along those lines, but no one has strung together the string of dominance in their college years. Now you have others, of course, who have gone on in the span of then an eight or 10 year career. Think of guys like Bruce Baumgartner, um, you know, others who have put together, of course, John Smith, um, you know, coach at Oklahoma state certainly had probably the, I think he's got the record now. Uh, I don't want to trip myself up confusing some of these great wrestlers, but Smith, I think has the record for the most world titles. So, you know, Kyle's still got some goals. I think that he's going to shoot for over the next four, six, eight years, however long his body holds out uh, and allows him to compete at an elite level. But as a collegian, I, I don't see how you can put him behind too many, if any, other wrestlers in terms of what he's accomplished during his years as a student athlete yeah well i gotta tell you something i'm glad to get that kind of perspective because it feels like too often when you have that kind of excellence in front of you 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 just kind of let it go by sometimes you don't really sit back and appreciate it and you know it's good that we were able to talk about that and you were obviously able to contribute so much to the warriors and you know for people to get invested in this a little bit because i think it's a really cool uh, thing that he was able to accomplish and it, you know some people are like man why are you why are you leading with wrestling when you've got you know basketball kind of wrapping up and you got the ncaa's and you've got uh you know football the quarterback controversy and all that kind of stuff i think it's important for people to step back and appreciate 
what has just happened and transpired in this sport, uh, which is a great sport. And I call, you know, I call wrestling like the true Midwestern art form uh, because it is, it is, it is so uniquely Midwestern in so many ways. And I really appreciate the fact that, you know, Kyle Snyder is not in Ohio and, you know, by birth, I I think he obviously was talking about that on Twitter, how much he appreciated coming to Ohio state. And we were just really lucky to have him. And and Um, Ohio state is going to be his home, by the way, for, if not the rest of his career for the next several years, because he's committed that he, uh, I think he actually bought a house in Columbus and there you go. Is, is going to be training at the Ohio regional training center for the upcoming world and Olympic, uh, you know, type events that he's got in his sights for the next few years. Yeah. And that's awesome. And that's awesome to hear. And I know he'll probably continue to inspire, you know, another generation of, of talent here in Ohio and, and across the Midwest. So I think that's awesome. The other thing I want to ask you, Andy, and this is maybe a sensitive subject for you. I don't know, but uh, how's how's your bracket looking? What's it, what's it look like, bud? <laughs> oh, I, I you know I joined the Eleven Warriors uh, bracket challenge as every that was a mistake. The they should right, and and I got uh, you know the latest email from uh, from from the challenge, and there was a big fat zero in terms of how <laughs> many points I was going to be accumulating. Uh, you know, in the last uh, really probably three rounds. Uh, clearly I don't know anything about basketball, at least in terms of bracketology, because it was a huge, embarrassing failure of, uh, astronomical proportions. Well, so here's the deal. We, we you know, we've got some, some other tournament action that we're going to get into in a little bit with our guest. Um, I'm really excited to have him on. Uh, but as far as NCAA basketball, man, they, you know what, here's the thing. They were telling me, my students were telling me, Hey, Johnny, you know, we've got this whole reset thing with the sweet 16 you got to get in on that john you got to you got to try to help you i'm like no ride or die i make my picks at the very beginning and if they suck they suck but i'm not taking any second chances i'm gonna stick with what i got and i think i'm hovering somewhere around like the 20th percentile uh of you know so that's pretty good i I think i'm ranked Think I'm, well, yeah. So only about eighty percent of people have been better than me. But ni- I, you know. nineteen point five. I, I oh, checked excellent. my checked my nineteen point five. And as I uh, as I looked at the actual bracket itself, uh, I have no one uh, left actually. So that's pretty embarrassing. I I took um, UC Xavier. Uh, looks like Purdue and Michigan State. So a definite oh, uh, a definite Ohio Midwestern flavor, and that. <laughs> um, proved to be bad choices all the way i gotta tell you something so my my father-in-law is is like obsessed with the brackets like he 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 just gets into it once they get very involved i think it's awesome uh but i i just get so like stressed out by picking like i I just can't do more than one i'm just like okay this is my obligation for 11 warriors i'm gonna do it here's my bracket uh and my wife filled out a bunch of them and i think the one that she filled out maybe for our dog or maybe for me is like killing it. Like she did such a great job at picking and you know, it's, I feel a little like, I, f- I feel like I should maybe be a little more invested, a little better at doing this than I am, but it's just, it's, it's so ridiculous. And you know, one of the things that I mentioned in the skull session that I wrote today uh, as of recording this on Tuesday was that like, if you look at it, I mean, Michigan, for example, Michigan has just done, a ridiculous job. John Bayline has done a ridiculous job getting them to where they are. I am going to be so unbelievably salty if my bracket both sucks and Michigan wins a national championship. I will lose my mind. I do not think I can handle that. I think um, if Ohio State hadn't had such a great season relative to expectations, 
I'd be in the same boat. And as it is, I'm like, nah, Michigan wins. <laughs> right. Uh, you know, sometimes you're the windshield, sometimes you're the bug. Yes. Um, yeah, that's uh, Mary Chapin Carpenter, I think, right? That's, that's, that's an bad. outstanding kudos to you for your knowledge of uh, late 80s, early 90s country music. <laughs> um, yeah, so, I, you know, overall, I, I'm, I'm kind of sad on the brackets. I just want loyal to just go out and smack Michigan in the face. Um, we're going to talk about my, my ride or die right now, right? <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, like you just got to, you got to stick with what you got, I guess. But so here's what we got. All right. As, as much as we can bemoan our garbage picks for our brackets, which truly they are garbage. Um, <laughs> we do have Ohio State that is performing in a really awesome, awesome tournament coming up here soon. And we are really lucky to have on next Ohio State men's hockey coach, Steve Rollick, uh, who's going to tell us how they got there and how they intend to stay there and what they're going to be doing uh, in just a few days. Joining us tonight, we we are really special guests. We've got uh, Steve Rollick, Coach Steve Rollick uh, for the Ohio State men's hockey team. Thank you so much for coming on tonight. Yeah, no problem, guys. Glad to, glad to be on with you. Well, I got to tell you something. I went to Ohio State. Uh, I graduated in 2007, and then I got my master in 2008. And I, I spent a lot of time watching Ohio State men's hockey. I went to as many games as I could. I, I loved the atmosphere. And I, you know, the fact that Ohio State is now back in the Frozen Four since I think the first time since like 1998, uh, 1999 is, is a huge deal for me personally because I just I loved watching the team in, in college. Um, one of the things that always that really struck me about this year in particular, and, and maybe this is kind of an evolution of hockey in the Big Ten in general, but you've got four Big Ten kind of conference teams. You've got Ohio State, obviously, Notre Dame, you've got Michigan. How has that happened? Can you talk and, and tell us a little bit about how Ohio State uh, and Big Ten hockey in general has become such a dominant force in men's college hockey in general? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, obviously, uh, this is kind of, I think, what everybody envisioned, uh, you know, five years ago. And maybe it took a couple years longer than we thought. But, uh, you know, with the institutions, with the coaching staff, and the resources that this league has, it was only a matter of time. And I mean, this year, I mean, every weekend we played, we thought we were playing the best team in the league. And right. uh, it just, the competition was off the charts. The parity in college hockey in general, especially in our league is, is so tight uh, that it just makes you a better coach, makes you a better team, makes your players better. So uh, yeah, it was a fantastic season for our league. Obviously, your team did you know really well in the conference. You've you come up a, a a game short of the conference title, pull this number one seed. When you look at this team uh, that you put together, what what is it that makes them so deadly? I mean, I watched that uh, that last game, and you guys are scoring goals left and right. I mean, it seems like an offensive juggernaut, but you you keep you keep the other team out of the net as well. Talk through how you assembled you know this this team and what makes them special. Yeah, you know what? I mean, I think the biggest thing is really depth. Um, you know, we we got good depth, and and uh, it's not always just one guy. I mean, we might have some names that people talk about a lot, like Mason Yobst and, and Tanner and Weiss and uh, Dakota, but, but I'll tell you, it's uh, guys like Lampasso and Miller and different guys like that that end up being big parts of big big wins, and that's that's because of the depth we have on the team. So, that's kind of, you know, you go out there, you try to get the best players possible, but at the same time, you got to get the right fit for your program and guys that really want to be here at the Ohio state. I mean, 
you know, that's the guys I want. And, and uh, certainly we, we just had a great mix here this year and it's kind of been a team effort all the way around 27 guys pulling that chain in the right direction. I really actually want to follow up on depth real quick because Ohio State, I mean, you guys have one of the best defenses in the entire nation. Uh, and, and one of the things that people may notice is they don't see a lot of huge names in terms of like NHL prospects and so on. Um, how do you get them to play such good, consistent defense on a game-to-game basis? Right. I mean, again, number one, I, I think we we got a great mobile group back there. I mean, guys, guys got good feet, skate very well. They move pucks and and again, they don't collect all the glory all the time. And, and sometimes I say it and I don't mean it in a bad way, but I, if you don't, uh, you know, notice our defense uh, some nights, that's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. And, and obviously they're chipping away at points and helping us. And you saw it again this past weekend, but uh, you know, from number one to number eight or number nine, whatever we have there, I mean, everybody's chipping in, even if they're, you know, not on the score sheet or playing in that game. I mean, it's it's the competition during the week and whatnot. So guys buy in. Uh, they're okay with competing and keeping the puck out of the net. They don't need to be down there having their name in the paper every night. And, uh, you know, that's just as important. And when you when you talk about the buy in process, you know this is a this was a a season where you know you really overhauled or last off season really overhauled your your staff, uh, your assistants, the volunteers, the whole nine yards, and you've talked about that before about fueling your turnaround on defense. So walk, walk us through that process and how you got the team to you know kind of buy in to what you were doing there, bringing bringing the the new staff members on board and getting everybody rowing in the right direction. Right. Well, number one, you got to have uh, good people around you, and you're only as good as those people. And I, 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 I'm very fortunate, very humbled, very blessed to have my staff, and and not just uh, the assistant coaches, but uh, the support staff as well. But when you talk about being able to bring on Steve Miller on board and and his resume and what he's done and and uh, his track record of success, it's incredible. And you bring back J.B. Bittner. Um, an alumni who who's done everything possible to get ready for this moment, coaching in the minors, uh, pros, uh, you know, junior hockey, college hockey, uh, to come back and feel his passion that he had when he was a player and went to school here, you know, Dusty Carlson and Dave Caruso. I mean, I was able to bring back some unbelievable people, but, uh, you know, to add alumni onto the staff. And then you got Lane LaBelle, who's been here, uh, with me from the start and it's just incredible i mean you got people that care that bring it every day to work that uh, do whatever we can to try to help these guys be successful on and off the ice and it's certainly paying off for us yeah i was about to say i think the the proof is definitely in the pudding and, and one of the things that i think even people who don't follow ohio state hockey a lot can appreciate is how much success uh you guys have had against michigan this season i mean five and oh it's 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 an incredible record um as someone I know, I know you're originally, you know, you, you uh, played your hockey up there. You're from Minnesota and you played your hockey up there in, in Wisconsin. Um, has that rivalry really seeped into how you prepare and, and how you address the team and, and, and really getting them going for that game? Yeah, I, it didn't take me long to figure out what the rivalry was like uh, as soon <laughs> as they got the job here. So, uh, again, if, if you're involved in sports at any level, you understand what it means anytime on the court. Uh, on the ice, uh, you know, the football stadium, you name it, when it's Michigan and Ohio State, um, there really isn't much more to be said. I mean, it's one of the greatest rivalries in sports, and I found that out right from the start. I don't really even have to say too much uh, 
you know, from from Monday's practice, getting ready for a Michigan week, uh, our guys are very tooled in and focused. And and obviously, uh, no matter what the records are, you know it's going to be intense. You know it's going to be a great game. Coach, let's let's talk about hockey in general. You you here you are taking your team into the Frozen Four. Uh, the women's uh, hockey team had uh, an incredible run this season. The Blue Jackets are skating toward the playoffs and had uh, just a, an incredible streak here lately. Is, is it safe to say Columbus is a hockey town now? And and what's your feel for how you know the fans, both Ohio State and of the sport in general, have rallied around the the local teams here in, in the time you've been with Ohio State? Right. Well, I've been here eight years, and it just continues to grow year after year. Uh, and you mentioned it. I mean, the success Nadine had with our women's program this year is a, is just a credit to to her, her staff, and and the ladies over there. And, and what they've been doing. I mean, the Blue Jackets and the relationship I have with that organization and it kind of starts with them. They're the big club, and, and they've had so much success here lately. Um, they're doing it the right way. Um, and, you know, and then the youth organizations. I mean, you know, Ed Ginger and the AAA Blue Jackets, uh, you know, they've had a ton of success, and, you know, I see it all the way down through the mites now that I got a young little guy playing. So it's uh, it's fun to see, uh, you know, when you when you walk out and, you see 7,000 people down there nationwide when we play it or, you know, see our building get 9,000, 8,000, 7,000 people at some games. And um, I just, again, uh, people don't claim it's a hockey hotbed, but I, but I'm a firm believer that there's a, there's a lot of hockey fans here and they do appreciate the sport. And I think it's only going to continue to grow. Oh yeah. I I mean, I think just from anecdotal evidence, I mean, I've had several students and and, and kids you maybe not like would think would be big into hockey, but a lot of kids where I teach because I'm a high school teacher are are definitely getting more into it. I think it's definitely growing uh, throughout the Columbus area and Ohio in general. And I think that's a really positive thing uh, for the sport in Ohio. Uh, Another really positive thing is the fact that we've got this frozen four coming up and then you've got Minnesota Duluth uh, on April 5th there, I think about 6 PM. What, what about Minnesota Duluth? makes them so good and, and how do you plan on maybe uh, attacking them a little bit? Right. Well, I mean, I know that program as well as any, I worked there with Scott Salem for 10 years before I came down here. And um, obviously they've just done so well here. It's, it's like old hat for them. I mean, they seem to be there every year. Uh, they're deep. Uh, they got great talent. They just had five, I believe players play on the world junior team. Um you know, they're just relentless. They keep coming at you. They got a lot of experience. Uh, you know, they played in the championship game last year. They beat us in overtime last year. So we really got to be tuned in. We got to be focused and, and, and bring our best game. I mean, that's, I keep saying that, but that's really, it is week to week. If if you don't bring your best game and be at your best, you're, you're probably not going to win. And certainly when it gets to the frozen four, I mean, you know, we're going to see Duluth's best shot next Thursday. And, and, uh, I know as a group, we really got to be prepared, coaches and players. And, and uh, you know, we got about a week, a little over a week to do that. So for, you know, for people who haven't been following the hockey team as closely, maybe they're just saying, okay, let's let's see how things go. Let's see how Ohio State plays. What's something, uh, maybe to, to go out on here, what, what's something that fans of Ohio State sports, maybe you don't know a lot about the team, need to know about the team and, and to get excited about and understand how good they are in, in, in different ways? Well, again, I mean, 
first and foremost, I mean, it's so hard to win at this level. And um, because there's so much parity in college hockey right now, as everybody has seen, I mean, three number one seeds could have gotten beat here the other night. Notre Dame won yeah. in overtime or it have been three number one seeds being knocked out. And that that's never happened. Um, so again, it's so hard to win. And, you know, we've been fortunate to do it, whatever, 25 times, 26 times already this yeah. year. And, and I'm, the the guys that I have, uh, you know, are just resilient. I mean, how hard they play. Um, I think and it's, a, it's an exciting product. And, and you think these guys, you know, they're going to school full time. You know, we got a team GPA of 3.2 and they bring it in the classroom. And then when they put the helmet on, I mean, they go out there and they do everything can for, for that logo on the front of their jersey. And to me, at the end of the day, really, that's what it's all about. And that's what you know, people here uh, from Ohio State to people here in Columbus can hang their hat on that, that uh, they could be proud of something like that. Yeah, I, I will tell you that all the games that I've watched, I've just been so struck by the the, the determination of the team, the, the level of effort and energy that they give. It's, it's a joy to watch. Anybody who enjoys hockey, I think, can easily enjoy watching Ohio State. Uh, men's hockey and, and just in general this year because it's, it's really fun to watch, especially the last several games. They've just been so intense and fun. Um, and coach, I'm, I'm glad that we can continue to see this keep going because it's, like I said, it's been a great season and uh, we really appreciate you coming on and talking about it. Yeah. Anytime guys really appreciate you guys. So hopefully we can maybe do this again and uh, we'll see what happens next week. Oh, absolutely. We would love to to be able to rehash a, a national championship. So that would be great. Thanks, man. <laughs> Thanks. All right, guys. Have a great night. You too. All right. Thanks to Ohio State men's hockey coach uh, Steve Rorick for coming on and, and talking with us about the, the incredible run that these guys have had to the Frozen Four. I Look, man, I would have given my left arm to see that kind of quality hockey out of Ohio State uh, when I was in college. And they, they had some good teams. I mean, I'm not denying that, but I seriously probably went to, I don't know, two or three dozen uh, hockey games, uh, men's hockey games when I was there at Ohio State because I really enjoyed the atmosphere. It was just laid back, cheap tickets, you know, good hockey. I just, I love that kind of thing. So True, true story. When I was finishing my bachelor's at Ohio State, I went over to the shot one day. They were having a blood drive and I gave yeah. my blood and uh, they had, you know, some drawing. I said, when you signed in, you fell out the little slip and I didn't think any more about it uh i got a call about four o'clock that evening hey you've won the drawing we got some gift cards for you and can you come over to um the arena here we've got a uh, chance for you to ride the zamboni machine oh my god so the last game i went to uh i got to ride the zamboni uh in the arena it was like this is the coolest is thing fantastic. ever i waved like a princess in a parade you know <laughs> as i went by then there were like some actually some people i knew in the stands you know because i just went to the game by myself because it was like last minute notice and i'm waving to people like hey wait i know those people it's hilarious yeah, no, that's that's absolutely fantastic, and I am incredibly jealous of uh, your ability to do that. That's that's pretty great. Um, all right, so let's let's shift a little bit over to the football side of things because we we you know we've been neglecting a little bit so far in this podcast, and I feel like given that spring football is going on, we probably should talk about it. I guess a little bit, at least um, a little. Seeing how it's kind of important, I guess. Yeah. Um. So we. <laughs> You know what? So we got this. Okay, we got this article. But Kevin uh, put out a really great article about old Joey Burrow, and <laughs> I love this quote. I, I really want to read this quote because if you guys haven't, if you haven't read it, I really think that you should because it's really interesting. Uh, Joe Burrow says, "I get all these tweets. Where are you going? Are you going to transfer? You never play. 
I see them. I don't say anything, but I see them. <laughs> and I just, I, I think that's such a crazy, I don't know. It, it's such a crazy situation. Uh, you've got three quarterbacks, uh, well, two quarterbacks and one person who's ostensibly a quarterback. And, <laughs> <laughs> and you know, and based on the reports that we've heard from practice, Ryan Day and some of these other guys talking about it, they're looking for the quarterback uh, who is going to be fit best for the team. They're saying all the diplomatic things about how they're not going to dramatically change their their system and all that kind of stuff. I just I can't get a read on this thing yet. It, it feels like it is such an open question right now that has just not been answered. And I don't know when they're going to be able to, to come up with an answer. I, I don't know that you're going to have a, you know, a clear picture of this exiting out of the spring. I just don't think you will. I think what I love the most is the degree of confidence with which literally everyone else seems to be able to, to see the competition. Like if you read those tweets Joe's talking about or, or comments from our friends in the community on any one of these articles, I mean, of course, that, that, uh, at last count, that article you referenced from our, our amigo Kevin has like 130 comments. And, yeah. and, and everyone is certain that their guy is the guy, right? Oh, and my so God, yeah. I'm having the PTSD flashbacks to QB Geddon uh, of yesteryear. And, <laughs> and the, again, the, the dread certainty last season then that uh, anyone would have done a better job than than oh by the way the statistically greatest quarterback in Big Ten history and right. so I just people get so confident that they know exactly what's going to happen or or and I, I'm with you I we're not going to have a clear-cut starter after spring ball and oh by the way uh, Urban Meyer has a psychology degree you may or may not have heard that somewhere and I think <laughs> there's probably good reason that we won't have a clear-cut starter by the end of spring ball. No, I, I think he's well aware that these guys are going to be battling it out all summer and then into fall practice. And that's fine. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. My biggest concern remains and will probably continue to remain through August, the idea that they won't make a decision. And, and I know that it's different than between, you know, JT and Cardale because you've got one guy who won a national championship and another guy who's, as you mentioned, statistically the best quarterback in Big Ten history. And instead, now you've got two relatively unproven guys. But still, you have to make a choice. And I, I know, you know, they will go the safe route and they'll try to consider the guys that will be able to direct the offense the best and all blah, 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 all that other diplomatic crap. But what really I just need to see is certainty. And I think as spring develops, you may not get a decision in the quarterback battle, but hopefully, hopefully you get some kind of decision about what the offense is going to look like. And and I know that it doesn't like spring game doesn't matter. None of this really matters because they're kind of just feeling out some things. Um, but man, I, I just want to see consistency. I want to see an idea. And, and when you have, you know, concepts that you can kind of adhere to and say, this is what I do and this is what we do best. And we're going to do this then do it. And I want to see that. So guys like JK Dobbins and, and guys like Mike Weber, hopefully will kind of flesh out some of this stuff and, and make it a little more clear, if, even Mike, if the quarterback situation isn't. And and you just hit on a pair of names there. I mean, think about, uh, you, we were talking about this quarterback controversy, will there be one or not? Uh, what, what are we going to be looking at at uh, the running back depth chart? I mean, you know, Mr. Dobbins came, uh, came on pretty darn strong last year. And, and uh, you know, how, how will we see he and Mike Weber split carries this year? And uh, I chuckled when you mentioned the third member of the, uh, the quarterback rotation there, um, you know, who's, who's already got uh, the word out there that, 
there are plays for him in the playbook, regardless of whether or not he's the <laughs> starting quarterback. And oh, by the way, I, I remember the diamond formation, right? So I guess uh, I'm, uh, I'm not necessarily holding my breath on any of these special plays in the playbook for keeping right. every member of the roster happy. So, well, you got to uh, think that Tate isn't either, right? Like, I think he's optimistic about it, but I, I think he's savvy enough to understand that, you know, <clears throat> they're not, <laughs> it's not a certainty that he's going to be out there like, all right, I'm going to get every third snap. We know how this works. Don't worry about it. I'm the athlete. I mean, I like I said, I think he can definitely contribute. He's he's an excellent athlete. I'm not trying to to hate on on uh, on Mr. Tate at all, but on Mr. Martell. But um, you know, I just I, I want to see certainty, and I I don't like this feeling of of kind of being stuck in the middle. And I know I'm going to have to deal with it for like another six months, which drives me nuts. I don't think I'm sweating it as much at all, and I think part of that's because. Um, to, to quote my man, Teddy KGB, you know, we, we paid that man his money. And I mean, Ryan day <laughs> in this context. And, and that said something to me, you know, urban and Gene had been pretty tight with, um, how we paid these assistant coaches for quite mm-hmm. a few years. And, and this year we decided we're going to play the game a little bit, you know, so we paid Ryan day his money. That tells me, um, urban's urban might give him some, real control of the offense this year so i i don't know maybe i'm maybe i'm naively sanguine about the whole thing but i i feel like there's a pretty good chance that this offense might be good well if there's an opportunity to be very chill and maxing and relaxing i I think early spring ball is the time to do that so that that is well (laughs) i'm close enough to old man status that i remember the days um, and, and maybe a little fondly, don't tell our recruiting analysts, but I, I remember the days a little fondly where I didn't know any players' names till about midway through their sophomore season when they cracked the two deep, you know, like that's, right. there was a, there was a time in the not so distant past where we didn't know all 120 some players on the roster and every vital stat about them. And, and, uh, I, I, am not saying that I, uh, long for those days, but it was a it was a kinder gentler time. I didn't sweat many of these questions throughout spring ball. It was just a, a an enjoyable pastime. So uh, maybe that's maybe that's why I'm so naively sanguine about it. I think the offense will be fine. I'm yeah, maybe I mean, more that's worried a- about the defense, you know, because uh, right. how how have the linebackers progressed? Are we going to see um, some growth and development out of them? That's a that's a position group that I worry about. Well, and you know, tough Borland is, you know, he's got an injury. He says he's going to be back for the season. That's great, but it's still, it gives you a little bit of heads up on maybe some of the depth that they're going to have to figure out and some other things. Um, Cause you're right. That's probably going to be a little bit more of a concern than some of the other things. And the other thing to keep in mind is if you've got two solid running backs like that, then maybe that's your security blanket. Maybe just don't worry about it as much. So I, I don't think that your attitude is, is a terrible one. I, I can totally see that. Um, all right, so let's move on to ask us anything. Ask us anything, anything, by the way, guys. Go ahead and do that uh, by sending us any questions that you might have about life, the universe, and everything. Uh, it's a dubcast at 11warriors.com or at 11dubcast on Twitter. Um, also, ask us anything along with the rest of the 11 dubcast is sponsored by the Dry Goods Store at 11warriors.com, drygoods.11warriors.com. We got all kinds of fantastic items and apparel there, so please check that out. Uh, the first question that we have here is from our good friend Alvin. Uh, Alvin is a is a frequent contributor to the uh, Ask Us Anything segment of the show, and we really appreciate it because he always asks good ones. First one here is uh, if the Ohio State fo- if Ohio State football could play a game outside of the United States, which city and or venue would it be, and against what team? 
Wow. That, yeah. That's deep. Yeah. Hitting you with a hard one right off the bat. I did not see that coming. So kudos to Alvin. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm a sucker for old Europe and, and from a travel standpoint. So I, I don't know that any of the cities I love in old Europe make any sense whatsoever for playing a football game. I, I, geez, you know, I'd say you, you almost have to go, uh, somewhere like Australia or something where there's at least, uh, some, some, uh, beat each other up on a regular basis, passion for combat, uh, contact sports. Uh, that's a tough one, Johnny. Uh, well, so let me, let me, I'll step in. I'll, I'll slide in on this. Cause I got a question. I got a, I got a response to this off the top of my head. Um, having lived in Japan and, and having known a little bit about the, uh, the love that, uh, you know, the Japanese people have of American football. That might be a little surprising to some people. It's not a huge sport over there, but it is well-liked. Um, I would say Tokyo Dome, okay? Big, you know, biggest venue you can think of. Tokyo Dome, let's get it rocking. Mm-hmm. Or maybe in the in Sapporo, they've got a pretty nice stadium. Uh, and then just get some all-stars from Japan. I actually, when I lived in Japan, I uh, I met a youth football team called the Bears, and it was coached by this guy who I really had a hard time communicating with because yeah. I spoke very little Japanese mm-hmm. and he spoke very little English. But what I got was that he attended a coach's clinic in Oklahoma. And so he was dressed head to toe in Oklahoma Sooner wow. gear. And it was fantastic. And his son was a huge Michigan State fan. Um, it was it was a cool experience. And I just, you know, I think kids and college age people in Tokyo who are invested in, you know, in football and whatnot, I think they would salivate at the chance to be able to take on Ohio state at one of their primetime venues. So I think that would be pretty cool. And, and um, you know, there have been college football bowls played in Japan in the past. I, I think that would be a great opportunity to kind of revive that a little bit. I think that's a lot of fun. Well, and, and, you know, the other thing that uh, I, I wonder from, from a, a sporting interest, and this is just a random non sequitur, but uh, with, with the number of people in the middle kingdom in China, how, how many football fans are there? I mean, I'm reminded of the old quote, if, uh, if in China, you're one in a million, there are 1300 people just like you. So, <laughs> so surely there have to be some football fans somewhere uh, in China. Could we, can we build a respectable uh, audience somewhere in the most populous countries. Hmm. I would think so. I would hope so. I mean, you've got over, you know, a billion people. You, you know, you'd think you get some people to show up for an Ohio state football yeah, game. Pull up, pull up, pull, pull a hundred thousand. I mean, the sun never sets on Ohio state. My man, Gordon, used to say. so, you know, <laughs> no, they there's, surely they there's about the to be a, I mean, go to, you know, a hundred thousand fans there somewhere, right? Yeah. Go to new Delhi, go to, you know, Hong Kong, go to Brisbane, go to, you know, I don't know. Cairo, go wherever you want. Just you know, take that take that tour bus all around the earth and and see what pops up because I think that'd be pretty sweet. Gotta, and just, also, just I would be like careful to not to go too hardball on this thing. You know, that's the that's well, the caveat. You can't go too hardball on this. Well, you know, if the Pope wants to throw his support behind Ohio State <laughs> and just really infuriate Jim Harbaugh, then I'm 100 okay with that. <laughs> um, so that's we only got one ask us anything question this week. So please continue to send those in. Uh, but you know what, Andy, we had a discussion on uh, on Slack, and it made me think of this. We were talking about Fortnite and, and my cowardice in that game, and, and how it's been profitable for me occasionally. Um, and I kind of wanted to know from you: Do you have any like sports video games that you particularly hold near and dear to your heart? 
Yeah, and it's not going to be uh, the traditional things you would guess, you know, Madden or uh, NCAA when that was Good. still a thing and so Good. on. So, so my um, favorite sports video game uh, of, of all time was Super Punch-Out for the Super <laughs> Nintendo. Fantastic. I, I kid you not. So we, we probably had every Nintendo they made from the original 8-bit. Well, of course, I'm old enough that we had an, we had an Atari, and you know my first mm-hmm. video game was Frogger, right? So the, we're, we're sure. talking you know classic 80s old school. So we had the Nintendo 8-bit. I, we didn't have the original Punch-Out, but when we got the Super Nintendo, about the third game we got was Super Punch-Out, and that was my jam. And uh, we used to sit around, my dad, my little brother, and I, it was the three of us uh, at the house by ourselves there in my my teenage years, and um, we would just sit down and watch each other play Super Punch-Out for hours on end. Now, I hadn't played for a number of years, and when my wife and I started dating, um, (laughs) we went down for Thanksgiving or Christmas or something, and for some reason, my dad had pulled the Super Nintendo out of the closet and plugged it in, and the thing still worked. And nice. so he and my little brother goaded me into, you know, like, hey, hey, you, let's we will play Super Punch Out. Let's see if you can still see if you can still run the run, run, run the whole thing. And, and my wife was like, "Are you kidding me? I'm going to sit here and watch you play video games." I said, like, "Do you love me? You know." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, oh. I you know, I, I got to tell you something. First of all, I'm really I like that choice because I don't, you know. So many people today, when they are asked about their favorite sports games, they just go to the most generic answers possible, right? Like they love Madden and they love 2K or all this other stuff. I miss the era of sports video games where they were just completely insane and off the wall and like just things you would like, you know, like robot baseball, right? Where it's like set in a post apocalyptic future where everybody's robots and like baseballs are made out of like cannonballs yes. and you know, like they're, they're, they're on Mars and they're exploding the moon when they hit a home run. Like that's the kind of stuff that I miss, you know, like caveman Olympics, you know, where they're jumping over dinosaurs to try to like throw a javelin through a pteranodon or some crap. Like I, I miss that kind of stuff. Um, and those kind of games are really near and dear to my heart. Um, I played a lot of, <laughs> on, on the opposite side of that spectrum, though, when I was a kid, my dad had an NES, and uh, he got baseball for the NES. And it yeah. wasn't like it wasn't like King Griffey baseball. No, we had the like King Griffey baseball too, but. <laughs> well, right. But it was literally just like baseball. That was yes. it. It was the title of the game. They were like little, uh, they were like little league teams. I mean, it was, we had, we had a game. I don't know if it was that exact one, but we had one where there was like generic baseball players yeah it wasn't the reds and the, the, there was a little green team and a little blue team right yeah i love that and i i was terrible at it and i would just throw fits at it because i was so <laughs> emotionally invested in this freaking game and what always got me the- was the ken griffey one we would play home run derby and i could never i could never beat my dad or my brother whoever it was i don't know why ken griffey hated me and I couldn't win the bloody home run derby on the Ken Griffey game. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, and, and I, I just love the fact that we, we just get invested in these kind of games. And I, I will say that like, so for example, one of the other ones that I really liked when I was, uh, you know, at 10, 12 years old was wave race 64, where you're doing oh, like a jet ski. Yeah. I love that stuff. You can ride on a dolphin, do backflips. I love that crap. Um, I'm trying to think, I, I also really appreciated the, um, the old school professional league quote unquote video games where like it was kind of a, a parody almost or a caricature of these, of these games. like NFL blitz, right. Where you can like yeah. knock, literally knock someone's head off 
and then you like, dance over their corpse. Yes. <laughs> or like so or the good. NHL one where the entire purpose was just to instigate fights the entire game. Like oh, that's yeah. I, I miss those games. Like I know you can kind of do that in the current games, but they're just they're so wedded to realism. Like right. I want to see like a robot's head pop off and fly into like Jupiter or something. Like, Te- just Tecmo Super NBA basketball, and after you dunked so many times, like the ball was literally on fire. Yes, right. As you were jamming, and oh yeah, so those yeah, those were the days, man. God, yeah, now you're so, making me feel older the longer we talk. This is terrible. <laughs> well, that's why. So I'm just going to, I'll go back to Fortnite and then like I explained <laughs> on Slack and I will just sit in the bushes and I will ruin the game for everyone else. And I'll just think about how awesome it was to play big head mode on NBA Jam and then mm-hmm. just imitate the announcer the entire time. That's, that's, that's just going to be my game. I'll get on, I'll get on the mic and just irritate the hell out of everybody around me. So. Par for the course, really, I think, for Johnny Kinner. <laughs> I have uh, I, I have been watching or, or listening or hearing with great interest about Fortnite since that seemed I seem to be the only person uh, on the planet not currently engaged in this game. So you you've you've almost pushed me over the edge with your exploits of hiding in the bushes. Yeah. Best part about Fortnite is uh, it's free. And so it doesn't matter if you suck because you didn't pay any money to suck. So Hashtag that's winning. Yeah. All right. So uh, that's that's the 11 Dubcast for this week. If you enjoyed, please rate and subscribe on iTunes. We would greatly appreciate it. And I appreciate Andy Vance for coming on and helping us out this week uh, while Bo's on vacation. He'll be back uh, in a couple weeks here. But uh, until then, you know, Andy, again, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we'll see you guys next time.